0: store has solutions for all your security needs. is open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. More information available at tss707.com or 923-2363. Support for Redwood Community Radio comes from the Blue Star Gas, located at Redwood Drive at Alder Point Road. Blue Star Gas provides propane sales and service throughout southern Humboldt, northern Mendocino, and Trinity Counties, locally owned and independent since 1938. More information online, bluestargas.com. 7 o'clock, stay tuned. Big Herb Doctor show coming up. We're getting it all set up here in the studio. It's going to be great. Support for K-Mug comes from listeners like you and from Chautauqua Natural Foods, locally owned for over 25 years. They specialize in local and organic produce, natural groceries, nutritional supplements, and body care products. Chautauqua Natural Foods is open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 7, Sunday 10 to 5, just off the town square in Garberville. More information online. At facebookcom backslash Chautauqua Naturals. And support for KMUG comes from the Humboldt County Department of Health and Human Services, seeking foster families throughout the Humboldt County region. Do you have space in your life to make room for a child? Foster children in your community need homes, and stipends are available. You can get more information on becoming a foster family by calling 707-499-3410. Alright, here we go. Stay tuned. Herb Doctor coming up.
1: Very welcome to you all listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray.
2: My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray.
1: We both trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. And clients consult with us regarding their health issues, and we recommend personalized advice in nutrition, supplements, herbs, diet, and lifestyle. And we can be reached toll-free 1-888-WBM-HERB or on www.westernbotanicalmedicine.com. So a little departure from uh, the last few years and definitely from uh, Dr. Pete's uh, altruistic and giving all of his time and his energy and his research, Um, I'm very excited to show you that uh, tonight we are hosting uh, two filmmakers, uh, Brad Abrahams and Jeremy Stewart, who are producing a documentary film called On the Back of a Tiger. Uh, They've interviewed eight maverick scientists, including Dr. Ray Peat, who weave an alternate story of life from the molecular level to consciousness and perception, challenging the mainstream medical dogma with scientific research Illuminating radical new ways of understanding disease and its treatment. I welcome Brad and Jeremy to Ask Your Herb Doctor. Are you guys with us? Yes, we yes. are. okay. Yeah, thanks you for it? the yeah.
3: great intro. <clears throat> Sums yeah. it up nicely. <laughs>
1: okay, excellent. Okay. So,
2: welcome, Doctor Pete, to the show.
4: Yeah. Hello. Oh, hi, hi Doctor oh. Pete.
1: <laughs> Seems like we have a threesome on the uh, yeah. on the airwaves. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, excellent. so. Um, Basically, we've we've been very fortunate uh, to interview you, Dr. Pete, for a number of years now, Uh, and you frequently mention names during your discourses, and they're usually eminent scientists and groundbreaking alternative researchers whose view of mainstream medicine is alternative to the dogma, if not controversial. Uh, Most people view the doctor as an all-knowing entity, but many doctors fail to read the research that points to anything other than the dogma, which is perpetuated by Big Pharma. Um, Up until the time that I uh, just realized that Dr. Pete was going to be with us a couple of minutes ago, uh, I had written a small outline for Brad and Jeremy, uh, apparently who've been exhaustively traveling Europe uh, in the uh, year 2014 to track down these uh, eight principal scientists who they did manage to get one-, two-, and three-day interviews with, I think. So I wanted to um, cover the... uh, the uh, timeline with which you uh, started interviewing these scientists, starting with Dr. May Wan Ho. And um, give each of you, I don't quite know how we're going to work this with both of you on the, uh, on the show. In- I think one person will do one and the other will do another. Or you can both interject and, Dr. Ray Pete. you too. At the sure, same yeah. time, you can, all, you can all cut in. Um, I wanted to ask both of you two, though, Jeremy, first, like I always have done with Dr. Pete, if you would just give an outline of your professional and academic backgrounds, perhaps starting with you, Brad.
3: Sure. Well, um, my background and Jeremy's are, are quite similar. So could cover both of us. We, um, we both went to film school originally and, um, very soon after graduating entered the advertising and commercial production world where we were trapped for many years, um, pining away, trying to, um, figure out a, a, you know, a way to work on projects that were more meaningful to us and and to other people and um you just can't do that with a full-time job it takes up so much of your energy you mm-hmm. know creatively and physically uh that we ended up uh quitting um still working freelance for um funds but spending more and more of our time now uh working on projects like these and and we've focused uh specifically on on this project now for the last year or so
1: yeah have you had any um background uh, reasons for pursuing this kind of uh, health topic, medical uh, establishment uh, approach to disease. Is anything pertinent in either of you that has kind of uh, spurred this? or?
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can go ahead, Jeremy.
5: Uh, we both, I think, are, are uh, you know sort of sensitive, fragile people in that way. Like uh, as far as always being, you know, more aware of what we eat and sensitive to the environment, you know, some people are maybe more hypothyroid than others, as, uh, as Ray might say. Um, and so I think we both had similar interests. That's how, that's how we became friends in the first place while working together. Seeing that reading about, I think, uh, on world's healthiest foods was when we first had our, our first conversation and realized that we had a lot in common. Um, but seeing health problems and, and friends and family who couldn't find solutions. I think that that's always been uh, a background and having an interest in science.
3: Yeah, it it was um, originally uh, for myself, just things like really bad digestion, allergies, fatigue. And a lot of it, I think came with, you know, overworking and, and just um, the confines of, of the modern world. But more recently it's, it's been seeing deteriorating health of, Family and friends, and um, in particular, my father, who's been in the last couple of years, had been di- diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I was already skeptical of the establishment, medical establishment, but just seeing um, the bad science and and you know really suspect motives, particularly with this disease, um, really spurred a sense of urgency. You know, creating a project like this.
0: Okay.
2: And um, Jeremy and Brad. I was wondering how did you first find out about Dr. Pete because I know you wanted this film initially or you were thinking this film was going to be focused solely on Dr. Ray Pete. How did you first hear about Dr. Pete?
5: Well, I was interest, introduced to him by by Brad. Brad, you found him through Uh,
3: was I it think Danny was, Roddy? Yeah, originally Danny Roddy. I I had um, you know, been on the roller coaster of of diets um and in need of recovery and had found danny's site um that had mentioned dr pete uh and just found it so fascinating someone uh looking at health and nutrition um starting at the molecular level and actually really understanding that having such a a solid grasp of the the uh biochemistry um it took a long time you know the, the work is 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 dense and hard to understand for someone without a scientific background. So it took a long time. It took, you know, actually a couple years of, of yeah. reading and listening, uh, and, and, you know, talking with Jeremy and others to, to really have a grasp on the unique view. And, and also, you know, self-experimentation with, uh, diet and certain lifestyle, um, lifestyle things that, that, um, really ended up having quite a large impact, uh, I think in both of our, our health
5: definitely and it, it was a while you know we were aware of uh, reading Ray's work for quite a long time before we talked about the the idea of, of doing a documentary I think it it coincided and somewhat inspired doing something getting into a project that was more meaningful and outside of the commercial world that we'd been in for so long
2: wow that's excellent well um, all this talk about dr. rapey I think we need to Ask Dr. Ray Ray-Pete what your professional and academic background is. If there's listeners tonight that have not had um, heard our show in previous months,
4: um, I was uh, studying art and literature as an undergraduate, and uh, did my master's thesis mostly on William Blake. And uh, all that time, I was uh, interested in in uh, life in general, and. Uh, saw biology as a way to uh, get some uh, concrete facts that would uh, uh, confirm alternative views because I saw in the humanities uh, dogma and uh, uh, political opinions uh, influencing what was teachable in the universities. And I thought that uh, real science might relevance to uh, uh, the humanities. And uh, as soon as I uh, enrolled at the University of Oregon uh, to work on a Ph.D. in biology, uh, after taking a few years out in between my master's, uh, I um, quickly realized that uh, biology was uh, exactly as unscientific as linguistics, philosophy, literature, and so on. Uh, Ideology was right at the center of nerve biology. And uh, so I wrote to uh, Gilbert Ling and uh, told him uh, what my professors were teaching, that uh, he and others had shown to be uh, profoundly wrong uh, 20 years previously. And he answered, uh, said, you just don't understand what science is. Science is all about prestige and money. Mm-hmm.
2: And how what, so what year was that that you wrote to?
4: 1968, go- I think, in the fall when I started the university. And just uh, after a, a few more months uh, working with the nerve biology uh, brain people, I found that the reproductive uh, biologist was actually a a scientist who, uh, uh, when I uh, observed things that were were counter to the dogma, he said, is it repeatable? Then go ahead.
2: Great. So he had an open mind to science.
4: Uh, Yeah, and the nerve biologist said uh, he wouldn't even look at the experiments that I was doing. Uh, All of my experiments showed something contrary to the nerve dogma. And uh, my professor would just turn instantly, so he didn't have to see what the instruments were showing. Oh my Excellent. Goodness.
1: That 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 is that is the thrust of. And I definitely haven't spoken to you, Doctor Pete, since uh, early on in the week before we even uh, invited Brad and uh, Jeremy to the show. But that's exactly the. Uh, the thrust of where tonight's show is going so the uh, scientists that we mentioned earlier well no, sorry we haven't mentioned the scientists yet but I was saying earlier that you have in the course of the last several years whenever we do radio shows we will always throw out these eminent scientists name and we look at them like Gerald Pollack and Mae Wan Ho and Gilbert Ling etc and Jeremy and Brad took it upon themselves to go take a list of these people and go see if they could track them down and film them.
2: I know I want to know how that came about when well, one Jeremy and Brad were talking to you Ray. <laughs>
1: well one, one minute I just wanted to say that they, at this point in time, Time in post production sorry pre production, the editing stage, they have produced a fantastic um, couple of minutes uh, movie clip showing all the different uh, people that they 've interviewed and these people are all on the cutting edge they 're all phd they 're professors they 're research scientists they 're all very respectable people who 've produced works in published journals, etc and they are directly refuting some long-held tenets and dogma of science that most people just get faced with by their doctors because the doctors are not reading research. So the whole thrust of tonight's show was not only to bring out these um, scientists and their various different aspects of what they're looking at in science, but to let people know that they can find out more about this movie that's being created by going to www.perceivethinkact.com. So perceive think act is the uh, main dot, link dot uh, com dot com of course, or you can just put that perceive think act in a google search term and uh, google search bar it 'll take you straight to their website and you 'll be able to see what they're, the work that they 're doing so um, yeah, the main thing is I wanted to uh, Go through the different scientists that Dr. Pete's mentioned in past, uh, that Jeremy and Brad went to see on different continents, and uh, get a feeling for the kind of science that they've put together uh, in, I don't know, how many hours. How many hours do you think you took all together, and how many hours do you think the DVD will be?
3: Oh, well, uh, in terms of raw footage so far, we've shot hundreds <laughs> of hours. But, yeah, uh, uh, 200 the, hours. <laughs> yeah, the, the final project... Will be you know a feature film length, mm-hmm. but perhaps um, we're going to explore uh, maybe shorter series that could cover more ground yeah. as well
1: in depth. Okay, cool.
2: Okay, so uh, Dr. Pete, how did you come up with uh, the idea for Brad and Jeremy, or Brad and Jeremy? How did you come up with it to interview <laughs> these other scientists?
3: Well, we it, it was the original phone uh, conversation we had with with Dr. Pete um, talking about this idea. And um, he mentioned or had asked, had we thought about talking to Harold Hillman? And we had heard of Harold Hillman, yeah. but hadn't really looked into him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentioned, you know, a couple other names, Mewan Ho. And we started, you know, diving deeper into their work and realizing there's a much larger story to tell here. Um, and that that really sparked this quest to to then sort of check off. Um, all of the people whose whose what seem like disparate theories, Ray has has connected the dots and and woven together into a a what we think is a fairly cohesive um, new model for for the workings of life. Yeah.
2: That's why I keep telling Dr. Pete um we need to write a book that's called the Pete Manual instead of the Merck Manual, you know? It's a Pete <laughs> manual.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, who knows? Okay, so let's start let's start with Dr. May Wan Ho, just because you have uh first hand uh knowledge of her and you've met her and you know yeah. maybe you can uh, just give an outline of May Wan Ho's background, her philosophy and um, you know, her character.
5: She's covered uh, a lot of different topics. Uh, I think probably what she's known for being most controversial on is GMOs. Mm -hmm. But mainly what we talked to her about is her study of basically quantum biology and the crystalline structure Mm -hmm. of organisms. And she did a number of experiments using a type of microscope that's I think generally used in geology and it's basically uses polarized light and allows you to look at, Generally, like the structure of crystals and rocks, but she found that uh, the small organisms had the same sort of crystalline structure in a you know a liquid form, and I think that was that was kind of an inspiring, paradigm-shifting thought to her. Okay, um, and it fits in with things like you know structured water and thinking about the organism in a way that it's in the mechanistic views of science and various sorts of chemical biology is totally counter to that type of thinking
0: okay
5: um so she wrote the book rainbow and the worm which is kind of all about that
1: rainbow in the uh, it's
3: called the rainbow and the Worm. Rainbow the the worm, worm? Yeah. Oh,
1: and the worm okay got it I think so. yeah okay
3: and, and, and that also um, those findings um, to her that connected with uh, criticisms against neo darwinism as well. Right. You know, if, the, if the organism is not um, fundamentally so mechanistic and, and much more fluidic and, and subtle, then it, it would support um, lay support to, to the theories more you know in line with Sidney Fox and, and others.
1: Okay well Dr. Pete, given that you are on the show <laughs> let 's just quickly ask you uh, of a rundown for wake May one, um, if you like, just because uh, you, you've always you've the one that's been mentioning her in the first instance uh, what, what uh, springs to your mind
4: uh, that, that image of the worm really is is one of the most important things that that people should uh, start thinking about uh, the, the uh, uh, quantum Biology. I think uh, Albert, Schweitz, uh, Albert uh, St. Georgie uh, actually was the one that uh, motivated people to uh, start going in the direction of electronic biology and, and uh, a coherent view of the cell. Uh, uh, Mei Wan Ho is uh, uh, to, to a great degree an extension of, of some of um, Albert St. Georgie's Ideas.
1: Okay. All right. We, well, moving on to Harold Hillman, then I think he's the next person. Yeah. First of all, I can. When did you first um, interview May Wan Ho? What What date are we looking at now?
3: Well, we we actually started with Harold Hillman. Oh,
1: you did. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes,
3: but only only a few days before okay. May Wan Ho, and it was um, the around the fifteenth
5: of April of last year.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you went to England. <laughs> <You> yes. <went>. <laughs> we. <laughs> It was
5: yeah we uh, planning our first trip we wanted to knock several interviews out at once uh-huh. and there were several people in England so there was Harold Hillman and May Wanho was like our Harold was our first interview and then 2 days later we went
1: to see Maywan. so tell me tell me a little bit about Harold Hillman and uh, his background and uh, what he was like and, and what he's contributed to the documentary
3: Well he um the the Crux of of his work is um, his criticisms of traditional microscopy as well as electron the use of the electron microscope. In that most of the structures we see uh, when we're looking through them are artifacts, right. and this is because of the processing that the what was once living material has to go through. And and you know it would make your head spin hearing him list <laughs> all of the things that you know the dehydration dying smashing mm-hmm. um and what you're left with is something that that bears almost no resemblance right. to an actual living cell so then how can you learn about the living cell when um what you're looking at is are basically artifacts
1: and is is he is he saying that this is still happening in mainstream biology this is still the yeah. norm oh yeah. Yes, yeah 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 yes he so, made not, a
5: film go ahead sorry uh, on YouTube there's a, a, a old films of his that you can watch and it's still it's pretty pertinent today it's really simple which is what i think makes his criticisms so inflammatory is he just shows a side-by-side of a cell being prepared for microscope slide and you've got the living cell on one side looking like a transparent blob and then after it goes through all of the steps of being you know washed in alcohol and various other compounds it's like about the third the size and all squashed and uh-huh. squiggly looking.
1: Does he do anything with um, live um, blood microscopy?
3: Uh, he not himself personally, no. but he you know he did um, we asked him about the techniques currently in use mm-hmm. that um, do let you look at or are at least more accurate than light microscopy um, or the, the electron microscope okay. and And going back to uh, what Dr. Pete had experienced when he was a student you know the his uh professor not even wanting to look at what he was doing right. similar with with uh dr hillman his his work was so difficult to criticize that that people would just leave the room when he <laughs> oh, would God. come in uh, at scientific conferences they would literally turn around and run away because they just didn't want he to, to hear him speak Yeah,
2: <laughs> they'd rather keep their paycheck coming in yeah. than actually exactly, look exactly at what right, science yeah. might be showing them Yeah,
1: yes. un- unfortunately in the uh, in the medical world and all the scientific world the ego I think gets in the way so much that um, people don't even see the truth when it's right in front of them but yeah at the, the same time there are people that have very alternative ways of looking at things like Dr. Pete and the people that you've seen so this again is a part, point of your documentary is to uh, illustrate I think from that first instance you talked about Harold being the first person you uh, you saw. That's pretty uh, pretty interesting because he's the person who's you're saying is refuting a lot of what microscopy yeah. is revealing. Yeah, exactly. Where,
4: where it all stems yeah. from. Yeah, rotten
3: foundations basically.
1: <laughs> okay.
4: Uh, there was a famous Swedish uh, electron microscopy expert named Fritjof Shustren, right? Um, who um, did a, a lot of very clear. Uh, explanation using different fixatives, showing how profound the uh, artifacts are in uh, standard preparations. And he he was a mainstream uh, researcher, but uh, the mainstream simply uh, overlooked his his work on the artifacts. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to um, Dr. Gerald Pollack. A lot of people that are listening to the show may well have mentioned, may, sorry, may well have heard his name mentioned in the past, and may well know him from his uh, structured water. Uh, he's, well, he's kind of water. He's called the water water wizard. I think they call him. <laughs> t-
3: <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> go, go ahead. Either one of you want to start and t- tell, tell us a little bit about Gerald Pollack and uh, what you um, what you gain from his uh, interview? Um,
5: well, yeah, he's really known probably more widely than anyone else that we've interviewed so far as far as having he's got mainstream talks he's done a ted talk um and his his focus today is really on uh what they generally call structured water uh another phase that you know it's one of those topics i think he's really unpopular in his department because Mm -hmm. he has chosen to study something that seems like obviously it's already been figured out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they, they do some fairly simple experiments to show that there are more unusual electrically based forms of water and they create, uh, they call it easy water, the exclusion zone when you get the water building up on a surface Mm -hmm. and it, it purifies itself. Basically, everything becomes excluded from it. And that seems to be the exact kind of water, how water is structured inside cells. Right. So it has all sorts of implications for further understanding biology.
3: In- and uh, he found that um, one of the substances that that seems to create easy water or structured water with the most uh, affinity is aspirin. Which we found, yeah, very interesting in in that it has such a such broad effects in the body, and and if it's connected to, um, to that attribute of it,
5: yeah, the stabilizing effect of water.
1: Okay, Doctor Pete, I know you've always been a proponent of uh, aspirin uh, for quite a wide range of different uh, conditions, inflammatory generally, but uh, uh, did, do you have any uh, anything to say on Gerald Pollack?
4: Oh, i um, want oh, oh. <laughs> Everything he's been doing in recent years is just extremely interesting. Um, He has uh, uh, developed some theories on how light energy, uh, infrared, is is used in uh, building structure in water. And there's a young German named Andrei Sommer, S-O-M-M-E-R, who is uh, working with red light uh, structuring water. Uh, very similar and uh, very concrete demonstration of of what uh, on a bigger scale uh, Patterson uh, uh, Gerald uh, uh, is working on
2: So is that some of the reason why red light is so anti-inflammatory because of its effects on the water of the cell?
4: Um, Yeah, I I think that's part of it
2: Well, it's a good time of year to get your red light, folks It's nice and sunny here in California
3: it, it was also just really heartening, uh, to see Gerald's lab. You know, it's easy to feel gloomy when, mm-hmm. when pondering all the ills in, in our medical and scientific establishments, but, um, Gerald's lab is full of, of young and excited, inspired, um, uh, scientists that are working on all sorts of interesting, um, endeavors that, that, uh, you know, it just, it, it made us hopeful. For for the next generation.
5: Yeah, one of his uh, students, uh, who I think is sort of his the top guy under him now, originally did a project trying to disprove him, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and I think he spent you know a year, and then he proved to himself basically that <laughs> right. that that Gerald <laughs> was doing good science okay. and and joined his side.
1: Excellent. Okay, so from the first three that we mentioned, there May Ho, Harold Hillman. And uh, Gerald Pollack, they're all doctors, but didn't say that to begin with. So starting with May Wan-Ho, then looking at polarized light and quantum biology, uh, criticizing uh, the neo-Darwinism that's kind of so prevalent in the scientific community. And then Harold Hillman, uh, the microscopist, looking uh, at microscopy as, or what's being done in microscopy as being uh, poor science and uh, actually uh, very uh, damaging, if you like, to the subject that's being visualized and how that can impact uh, various experiments. And then also then Gerald Pollack and structured water. So I know we've got several other scientists that I'd like you to cover uh, that you've been with. But first of all, just let me uh, let people know who are listening. Uh, this is Ask Europe, Doctor on D. Garbable 91.1 FM, and uh, we're interviewing uh, Jeremy and Brad. And let me just get this right. Uh, it is Jeremy Stewart and Brad Abrahams. Yes, and Doctor yeah. Pete is with us. Although I thought Doctor Pete actually was going to have the uh, e- have the evening off. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: we're, um, we're glad that he's here. With
1: yeah, us. we're very glad too, Doctor Pete. So uh, we definitely appreciate that. But um, these two gentlemen are uh, documentary filmmakers, and they have done the seemingly impossible and uh, interviewed eight of these scientists that dr pete has been talking about for many years now when he brings out his various different anecdotes as he always does and uh, have producing uh, a fantastic documentary film kind of unifying all of the theories i think in some ways that dr pete is uh, able to understand that all these people working in their individual fields are contributing all the same sort of unifying knowledge to an approach and a framework to uh, approaching disease that is so radical and hopefully it's about time for mainstream science to wake up and some people to see what's going on. We've always said, you know, for those who have ears, listen and let them hear. So they can be reached at think, act. Dot com. So go go ahead and check them out on the web and see the work they're doing. It's really quite uh, quite special. So let's move on then, uh, Brad and Jeremy, to uh, Dr. Gilbert Ling. Tell us a little bit about this fellow. And uh, I think actually for some ways the next couple of people seem to be uh, getting on in their years. They've been doing it for yes. a long time. So let's talk about Gilbert Ling. Uh,
3: well, Gilbert I think now is is 96, I believe. And when yeah. we saw him, um, he was in, in shockingly good health. <laughs> Uh, living alone in, in a, uh, mansion, basically running up and down the stairs, doing everything for himself. Okay. The only issue really being his hearing. Uh, but recently he, um, he had a health complication and is now, uh, not able to, to live on his own. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he seems to be getting back to his old self. Um, which is good to hear. But, uh, it, it's, it's really difficult to sum up Gilbert's, you know, past and achievements but he's most known for um disproving the sodium pump hypothesis which okay. is you know at, at yep. the root of yeah. of uh, <laughs> uh all basically thought physiology. on mm-hmm. physi- physiology yeah. um and, and the role of the the cell membrane in in that sodium pump hypothesis and and um his hypothesis called the association association induction hypothesis um it it basically details a, a totally different totally unconventional um, model of of One how itself based works. only
5: on physics and chemistry
3: right, right. actual that's, science
5: yeah that's what's so uh,
1: forward thinking about it. Mm-hmm. it it's scientific and reproducible you're saying it's something that's uh <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah I mean, he's he's done you know possibly thousands of of experiments showing the work and, <laughs> and proving it uh, that have all but been ignored and they won't even If he submits a paper to, even on an unrelated subject, to any journal, they reject it just saying because... Yeah, they don't even read it. (laughs) Um, They just send him a rejection notice because of his name.
1: Wow. Now, Dr. Pete, I know that um, when we've spoken to you in the past, um, and I, again, unfortunately went through an education where it was very science-based and it was the same kind of... Erroneous well, not science.
2: really science based. <coughs> well, it pretended to be science based, but yeah. really it was just medical dogma. We, we, st-
1: we still had sodium pumps and potassium pumps and all that kind of stuff, moving, allowing things to be transported across the cell. And uh, I know, Doctor Pete, that you've um, you're very anti the, so- the membrane pump. Idea saying that actually cells are very fluid and el- elastic and they flow and they move and they make space between the cells for things to enter and exit. And actually this is a much better and uh, holistic uh, approach to the uh, physiology of the cell.
2: Yeah, wasn't the cell membrane theory just brought about by Big Pharma so they could try to explain how their drugs are working?
4: Um, uh, well, uh, sort of, uh, the... Um, uh, I think it really relates to neo-Darwinism and the genetic idea that uh, they want to uh, get away from the idea that life is somehow uh, stable, uh, and so it, it, it's uh, more like a, a machine which has to run uh, to keep itself in in a given state. But uh, Gilbert Ling showed that even if you turn off the energy supply. A cell is stable for many hours. Uh, it uh, the sodium keeps going in and going out, but the uh, the cell retains the life-like uh, imbalance between sodium and potassium, and all of the life-like properties don't require energy. They simply require the structure of the water and uh, the whole living system. Uh, and um, there are just apparently in the infinite number of ways of looking at that that confirm Gilbert Ling's view, but the the absurd uh, the need to see things in this uh, mechanical way makes people uh, overlook the facts and believe absurd things. Uh, In uh, an electron microscope course that I took, I I decided to try different fixatives. I had read uh, Sostrand's, some of his publications, and simply by using a different fixative, uh, my cells were nothing but (laughs) membranes, uh, (laughs) membranes all the way through. (laughs) And um, so I looked at the... uh, the origin of of how they got the first membrane, and in an old medical book, 19th century ideas, I, I saw that doctors treated ulcers and burns with osmic acid, osmic tetroxide, to create what they called the false membrane, and that was a standard medical term. So it was in in the um, the consciousness of the people who were working on cells. And the first preparations for electron microscopy of cells showed no membranes at all. Hmm. But they believed that there had to be membranes. (laughs) And apparently someone recalled that old medical concept of creating a false membrane to seal up a wound. And they applied osmic acid uh, to living cells. And created, in fact, a membrane, which was about ten times uh, thicker than uh, they eventually decided they needed. Uh, so they refined the technique. Uh, now they have uh, approximately the right thickness of membrane. <laughs> okay. And
3: just, just how they've never been able to to find one of their hundreds of pumps that they've okay. invented.
5: And anytime there's a new thing that goes in and out of the cell, they have to create Absolutely. a new pump, new, add a new pump to the list.
4: <laughs> if if you uh, wash all of the ions out of hair, and dip hair in the serum, it picks up uh, the uh, proper ions and excludes sodium. <laughs> so apparently, uh, dead hair has uh, all of the necessary pumps.
5: pumps. The working pumps. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: okay well let's move. Um, go ahead Gwen.
5: i was gonna say one more thing about <laughs> gilbert Ling that i think he's not more well known because he you know he's got an impressive academic career he's really intelligent and he speaks at such a high level that it's pretty difficult to follow along sometimes what he's saying unless you have like degrees in biochemistry mm-hmm. and and so reading his books is really challenging especially for a layman even for a scientist yeah.
2: Well, that's why we appreciate Dr. Ray Pete so much. <laughs>
5: exactly. Exactly, yeah.
2: Because yeah. you're able to put all these pieces together and make a coherent picture that we can understand.
1: So let's uh, let's go on to uh uh let's see here. Dr. Michael Persinger.
5: He was one that was not initially on our list but someone that Brad and I both had mutual interest in prior to ever I think even hearing about Ray. Um, but we were really surprised at how well he ended up fitting in, in the interview phase. And, I I guess he is listed as, as studying parapsychology. Um, but basically he's done a huge amount of work on the effects of fields on, on life, on consciousness. Mm -hmm. And he's most well known for what's now a very old experiment, uh, And if you just search for the god helmet on youtube you'll see uh videos on that experiment showing uh electromagnetic stimulation of the right hemisphere inducing a sensed presence
1: in quite a few people okay as if uh, they perceive something they perceive a person or uh...
5: yeah and it's like a closed eye experience (laughs) in a in a sealed room wearing a scooter helmet and uh for, you know, is it an experience that's induced in people who seem to be sensitive to it and then totally filtered by their their God. cultural eye? Yeah. Like if someone was highly religious, they might have some kind of God experience. Okay. Um, and so that, well, that's kind of, I think, what most people know him from. Um, but he's done decades of other more advanced work since then. But he has lots to say about operating in the system doing controversial study and and proposing radical radical ideas and doing good science and uh, you know showing the effects basically i think it's, it's really controversial to do anything with fields okay and he's done a lot of work showing how sensitive life is to electromagnetic
1: fields how many, I just have to ask a question here at this point, yeah. how, how many of these people that you've interviewed up to this person, Dr. Uh, Michael Pessinger, are marginalized?
3: Uh, all of them. All of <laughs> <Yeah>, them, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'd say the one who, who's least marginalized is Gerald Pollock, but, yeah. but even in his case, he's often he's uh, a fine line, at, huh? at risk of, of his, I mean, he's had his funding taken away from him. Um, and is always at risk of that, and as well as constant attacks from other professors that feel threatened. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Persinger has has seemed to have have, um, carved out a a niche for himself in the bitter north of Canada (laughs) at a small university, and I think that that allows him um, to do what he wants to do Mm -hmm. and have the
1: facilities that, that he needs to do it. He doesn't have the same introspection,
2: huh?
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. All maybe, right. maybe it's
2: because he's in Canada.
1: <laughs> well, let's move yeah. on. Let's move on to um, the next person on this. Probably one of my. I'm. I'm probably more i'm as drawn to this person as i am to dr harold hillman just because dr harold hillman's british but uh, dr fred kumaro he's, he's 100 years old now isn't he yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yes. looks he looks so good for his age folks if um people that are listening here dr fred kumaro k-u-m-m-e-r-o-w is 100 years old and um i'm sure dr pete will have something to say about him as well as both of you brad and jeremy but he was very into um demonizing polyunsaturates uh a long time ago and yeah. his skin looks so good you've met him in person what's he like yes
3: uh, <laughs> it's, it's even it, it, he looks even better than than you'd imagine <laughs> okay um he has no uh age spots or or the liposkin anywhere okay okay um and his hair while you know gray yeah. is he has a full head of hair it's it's you know nice and soft yeah. um full, nice full set of teeth did you touch his hair no, but it, it looks very soft. <laughs> and he basically had, you know, uh for his his tell- adult life, um, avoided uh any added uh polyunsaturated fats in his diet. Okay. That good. Tell- that I think is
1: the tell-, tell us all about him. Uh
3: well he he's most recently known for for success in his sixty year long tireless crusade against uh trans fats, which is something that right. everyone sort of knows now that that is bad for their health um but what uh is not reported is is he basically says very similar things about the polyunsaturated fats and when we told him um since he's quite old and he's not really connected into the modern you know health world um when we told him that that fish oil is sold as supplements and people drink flax oil um he he literally like physically recoiled mm-hmm. um knowing the harm that it can do to health and 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 it has you know caused some people to to sure. die really die young sure. um and and yeah that it actually horrified him that that people are that it's a billion dollar mm-hmm. industry that that all it's doing is is harming your health.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah. Um <laughs> go ahead, is there anything else you want to say about um Dr. Fred Kinrow? I having having met him and then uh maybe I'll ask Dr. Pete uh, what he has to think about him
3: <laughs> uh, and, no he's just you know it's it's inspiring to see you know he' is, he's getting older um and recently in a wheelchair because of a, a swimming related accident at ninety seven okay. um, so you know it, it's age is starting to take its toll at a hundred for him, but he's still doing active research. Um, at the lab and, and working on some novel um, compounds in, related to Alzheimer's and, and other neurodegenerative diseases that have to do with um, with uh, oxidization of, of the polyunsaturated fat. Yeah.
2: And I just Thank want you. to let our listeners know that if you visit this website, www.perceivethinkact, you can see a short clip, of, a short video clip of all of these doctors we're talking about this evening. I don't know if that's been mentioned, but.
5: Okay and just for some context on on the website.
1: Yeah, please do. Per- Go ahead.
5: perceivethinkact.com is our it's just like the journal of our of our it's our journey of making the film. So it's the production journal and in chronological order it has a post for each of our shoots with every subject we've had and pictures and videos from from the shoots.
3: Uh and, and I think also important to note that uh, we're not finished shooting. We've we've only really yeah. shot about you know thirty to forty percent of the really? material. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people that we wow. still want to <laughs> h- interview. Like, how um, are you going to get
1: them all into a one and a half hour DVD? Or <laughs> a, <laughs> that's, it's going to be a compendium, <laughs> isn't it? The the magic of uh, good editing.
3: Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure how you're going to cut enough out to get it all into a small movie without (laughs) cutting out some very good information. But anyway, I'll leave that to you guys. You guys are the film pros, so uh, I'll leave that (laughs) to you. But let's let's talk a little bit more then. I've got a couple more subjects, and then we can... uh, Actually, yes, I wanted to ask Dr. Pete. Dr. Pete, I don't want you just to be on the sidelines. I know you're probably... Fairly happy, but hopefully uh, not not too uh, not too uh, <laughs> tired. What do you uh, What do you have to say about do- Dr. Michael Persinger from your your experience and or your uh, your work? Where Where has he led you, if, if oh. anywhere, in his journey?
4: Well, uh, my interest in fields uh, went way back. Uh, my brother was a uh, radio ham and uh, had a lot of electronic uh, equipment uh, that I from I guess the age of nine or so. Uh, had the opportunity to to play with and and so the uh, uh, electrical properties of all of my acquaintances uh, seeing uh, how aging affected uh, Uh the conductivity and so on uh, uh, kept me uh, constantly uh, aware of of the electrical magnetic properties of organisms and uh, uh, in 1968 I, I went to Uh, Russia uh, largely to talk to a man working in uh, what what he called uh, uh, magnetobiology as opposed to biomagnetics. Uh, uh, He uh, concentrated on the effects of fields on organisms rather than the uh, the fields produced by the organisms. Uh, And uh, one of my... uh, very first experiments at the university after I got back uh, was um, with a a strong magnet that my brother made for me uh, and uh, looking at its effect on a crab nerve. And uh, I could see that just the presence of of a strong magnetic field uh, apparently uh, uh, affected, I I interpreted it as uh, affecting the structure of the water uh, uh, the uh, uh, latent period, uh, there was a delay between stimulation and reaction mm-hmm. in the presence of a magnetic field. And okay. uh, um, I, I uh, also uh, paid attention to the fields that I produced uh, electrical fields that would, uh, some of the uh, things like a, a millivolt meter, uh, I couldn't operate because my field would. Uh, from, from about a, a foot away uh, they would go off scale so my lab partner had to uh, handle the knobs on those things
1: So it's all, all very interesting uh, actual p- practical uh, experimentation showing that fields do not just subtly but grossly affect um, nerve impulses and or uh, electric uh, activity in the body and that have been a lot of the uh, Basis for your um, outcry, if you like, against uh, radiation and X-rays and you know all the other visualization techniques that are used in medicine as being very harmful. Yeah, um,
4: uh, you know, very subtle fields yeah. have very big effects
1: mm-hmm. on organisms. Okay. What, what about? I don't want to, 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 to uh, take too long with that one. But um, how about Dr. Fred Kumaro and his uh, his background in trans fat? Um, uh, trying to keep trying to ban trans fats Um,
4: uh, the um, uh, trans fats normally occur in butter as an intermediate stage and the the conjugated linoleic acid is uh, the next step uh, in uh, shifting uh, the uh, unsaturation and the uh, uh, very beneficial effects of uh, conjugated linoleic acid I think are because the Uh, block some of the toxic effects of the normal linoleic acid and other polyunsaturated fats. Uh, So even though cow's milk and butter uh, contain some trans fats, uh, they also contain the beneficial next step, the the, uh, uh, the conjugated uh, form of of the uh, unsaturated fats
3: okay yeah and and uh dr kumaro's um uh criticism is more about the artificially created trans fats yeah rather than the naturally right in in dairy and other
1: ones he's got nothing against butter
3: yeah (laughs) he likes butter
1: yeah it's about it's all about the wholesale production then of uh, trans fats and pumping those into the food chain yes yeah Okay. Well, uh, see, okay, we've got 10 minutes left here, and time goes so quickly, unfortunately, but just want to let people that are listening uh, know this is Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMUD 91.1 FM. Um, we've interviewed Dr. Amon P., uh, thankfully, for quite a while, and he's spoken on many different subjects, and he's mentioned many different eminent scientists in that time, and that... Fortunately, the step has been made where these two uh, gentlemen filmmakers that we're interviewing now have actually gone and interviewed these eight scientists and they're actually talking about interviewing quite a few more. But they are in the process of producing a documentary and they do have excuse me, a very good uh, clip, a taste of things to come. Uh, if only people will go there and see what's going on. Their website is www.perceivethinkact.com. Dot com. So and The
2: name of the documentary that's in progress is On the Back of a Tiger.
1: Okay, so let's just uh, go on to um, Danny Roddy and uh, his background. He's probably the only non-doctor so far, isn't he? So far,
5: yeah. yeah. It, there's sort of two sides to the film, and we've focused so far on the scientists. But the other piece is what we've been calling the health seekers, people mm-hmm. who have used this information to empower themselves and, and take their health into their own hands and he's someone who's had his own health journey and now he's i guess you could call him a health blogger okay. his mind his main focus is on on hair loss specifically Interesting. but uh, he's i think probably read almost anything that is available that ray has written ever okay <laughs> um and he you know he's got no formal academic background but he's learned an incredible amount on his own and I think really had uh, a huge journey, uh, learning to understand his own sort of metabolism and, and stress, and and he's
1: and he's applied this to himself, and this has been yes, something yes. kind of groundbreaking uh, uh, gestalt moment where he's wow, it,
3: exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's been on uh, I think uh, the roller coaster that a lot of us can can relate to with trying to solve your own. Health problems and right. and thankfully has has come out on top with a and now able to um, connect with people I think that's why he connects so well with people is is he's been where a lot of people are now um, and has the gift of um, taking those those very complex scientific theories and and translating them so so anyone can understand them
1: yeah good I mean that's always been the challenge isn't it science is sometimes so uh, so chewy, it's a lot to get your teeth into sometimes, and sometimes it's uh, the language is almost a different language, and and, and mm-hmm. therefore it needs a translation to put it into a, uh, mm-hmm. a context of everyday language so people can truly understand it. i uh, That's what we try and do with Dr. Pete because sometimes he's uh, he's very scientific sometimes, and other times you know doesn't sound quite so difficult to understand. But well,
2: it depends who he's talking to. <laughs> <depends
1: who's> talking <laughs> to. <laughs> sometimes yeah. when right. it was just
2: you and Dr. Pete <laughs> <laughs> on the radio show, you guys got a little carried away in science because you're talking to each other.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <Part> <laughs> anyway, from from my, so uh,
2: interference there, <laughs> yeah. but. Okay, so
1: you actually went and interviewed Dr. Pete. Now, Dr. Pete, he's probably the unwitting star of the show, but um, <laughs> yeah. you interviewed Dr. Pete here, and um, obviously you got to share with him and he got to share with you. And um, what I can gather is that, again, I think he's um, kind of unifying the theories of all these different scientists and applying it to um, health and the perspective of health and kind of meeting the challenges of the way health and medicine is working or not working um, in this day and age with people and how dogma is just so entrenched as is the ego I think in the uh, science community that it fails to see sometimes the obvious and doesn't allow um that ego to fall to one side to let the facts come through and and then support them by being a little bit out on the edge of uh, the field as it were so you interviewed dr pete and unfortunately i know we've only got five minutes left but let's, <laughs> you can talk briefly about dr pete but let us let us have a little bit of time just to re uh, remind people where they can find out more about you because uh, you've got a great film that you put in together so dr pete very briefly you got a couple of minutes <laughs> i think
5: um So, well, one of the, you know, the thing about uh, the working scientists and people who've spent their life in science is they focus on a little tiny area. And they're not usually fully aware of the larger context that they may be helping to expand. And so I think uh, Ray's work, it kind of puts all of these people into a paradigm that all makes sense together into a much more holistic view
3: and and really um, what is the worth of of all of this scientific inquiry if you can't apply it practically right. yeah, to people's absolutely. health and nutrition and, and I think that's where nearly everyone we've interviewed um, uh, somewhat misses the mark in that in that they don't think about it that way they don't think well h- how does this apply right. to me
1: they're looking um, down the microscope exactly yes
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah and and that's where uh, one of the the many realms where dr. Pete's work uh, resonates with with us and, and so many other people
2: and i also think that dr pete helps people take their health into their own hands and yeah. he encourages them and gets them to start looking yeah. at well, what do you feel like after you eat that food or what do you feel like after you do that mm-hmm. and that is so important because we can we are the ones that know ourselves the best and a doctor teaching a patient to do that is Very, very contrary to the authoritarian medical system we have today.
5: And it's funny, it's kind of surreal being on your show tonight because your show has, it's one of the few resources to hear Dr. Pete talk on on so many different subjects. And Brad and I both have spent so much time listening to your recorded shows
1: as research for the film so yeah thanks, interesting i didn't even your we're,
3: yeah we're, we're finally on on the other side
1: we, i didn't even know this until about three days ago folks but yes. uh, anyway <laughs> um we i'd heard i'd heard about brad and um um jeremy oh in early i think late late 2013 and they said what they were going to do and i was like okay great sounds like a great idea and uh you know we went backwards and forwards with a few emails but we never we never got to actually meet or talk and And then the next thing was they've done it. (laughs) So, uh, so I take my hat off to you, and I hope, and I know that you probably really enjoyed it, and I'm, I think you're going to certainly exceed most people's expectations. uh, And I really wish both of you the very best uh, in your work, and also in uh, getting the funding that is uh, going to be necessary here to put this together.
3: Yeah um the first you know the very first post if you go to our site perceivethinkact.com has a link to the the Kickstarter campaign where you can donate or share um yeah. around with with um, and friends and family
1: and i know it's doing pretty good so uh, that's a good 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 sign
2: and um lastly Dr. Pete could you can you comment on the the film that Jeremy and Brad are producing in, in here? about a
4: minute <laughs> well, well the bits that i've seen uh, it's very uh, much fun to uh, watch yeah uh, those people uh, i had seen uh, i spoke briefly to uh, gilbert ling in 1971 but it's good to, to see uh, newer stuff about him and the others
1: well if it wasn't if it wasn't for people like you dr p and uh, all the people that uh, jeremy and brad have actually gone and seen and videoed and gotten uh real live footage of um it wouldn't be able to reach people, and uh, people wouldn't get to know about such alternatives. So in keeping alternatives alive, so I thank all of the three of you for um, being here, and you, Dr. Peep, I didn't even know you were going to be on the air, but uh, thanks so much. <laughs> <Okay>. Thank <laughs> you, you for, all for all your time.
3: Your
1: okay, yes, so... thanks.
3: Thank you, everyone.
1: You're very welcome. It. Okay, so uh, until the third Friday of uh, next month, uh, my name's Andrew Murray.
2: My name's Sarah Johannesson-Murray.
1: And we can be reached one uh, 888 wbm Herb. Uh, Monday through Friday or any time. In fact, people just want to uh, contact us for whatever it is. Uh, So our website also is uh, www.westernbotanicalmedicine.com. And uh, don't forget, Perceive, Think, Act. So that's the best way you want to go, www.perceivethinkact. It's really very interesting. You should see it.
2: And Dr. Raymond Peet's website is www.raymanpeet.com.